Here they come! And welcome to episode 3 of Effectively Speaking, the podcast that takes a look at some of the special effects sequences of film and television, be they classic, average or duff. I'm your host, Eric Moore, and today I'm joined by Mark McGee to discuss the opening of the Doctor Who tale, The City of Death, from the pan across the barren landscape to the explosion of the spaceship. Hello, Mark. Hello, Eric. Hello, Mark. Thanks for coming along today. Um, Can we start with... Um, you just telling us a little bit about yourself and your history with Doctor Who. Yeah, sure. Um, I'm a freelance digital marketing consultant for my sins, um, and I'm also a lecturer in this in the subject. And I find that my sci-fi history, if you like, um, long-term geekiness, really helps uh, with the, with that topic. I use a lot of references. Uh, when I teach especially and I talk about certain things and certain things people have to consider uh, and one of them uh, you know Doctor Who does crop up now and again amongst other things um, history of Doctor Who probably Tom Baker uh, is my doctor so this is a really good um, episode to, to look at and I have to admit I kind of remember a little bit of Tom of uh, John Pertwee uh, kind of remember his transition in, into Tom Baker, but if you think I was probably around nine years old when this episode came out, I was around the right age for standing behind the sofa uh, watching it with uh, one eye closed. So uh, there you go. Excellent. Um, I'm, I'm a bit like you. I, I remember John Pertwee faintly. I remember enjoying the Pertwee years um, and being. I can distinctly remember. Um, watching the regeneration into Tom Baker and just being appalled by this new person that was on the floor. And I, for some reason, I, I, I watch that story now, I can't understand why the young me thought that, oh, that's not the Doctor, he looks like a girl. I, I, can, <laughs> I can clearly remember him thinking, well, he looks like a girl. Um, but once Tom Baker had been a, you know, a couple of stories in, I think I'd forgotten about John Pertwee. And, and like you, Tom Baker uh, is, is the Doctor for me. Um, although as time went on, I, th- I think I drifted away from Doctor Who because, you know, Star Wars came along, which had a, an influence on everything, including uh, telly. And we, as yeah. you know, we started getting the, uh, the American TV uh, science fiction shows like Battlestar Galactica and um, Buck Rogers, which were um, obviously had an, a far more money spent on them or a lot flashier and more action packed. And uh, that's, I think that's when I drifted away from Doctor Who. Yeah, and I I agree. You know, they were I don't know the pacing was just nicer. I think uh, the special effects were more film movie movie like, if you like, than the ones you were you were used to uh, watching watching Doctor Who. Well, they the had BBC. money, didn't they? <laughs> Absolutely, money, you know. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I mean, I I really I only we're talking 1979 by then I drifted away and I really only came back um when I saw in Doctor Who Weekly or wherever that you know the Daleks were coming back or or whatever and uh, I remember um this City of Death story um 
seeing um, pictures of Scaroth uh, and the spaceship, and it's like, right, okay, I'm tuning in for that one. Mm. Yeah, and again, you know, I think for for me at that age, the monster part of it was really important, and I really do actually quite I quite like the alien design in this uh, episode. I, it's fantastic. I mean, you know, um, in the sixties and early seventies, there were some iconic monsters created for Doctor Who, but then it all went a bit silly and a bit, yeah. you know, um, lazy is not the right word, but it wasn't exactly inspiring stuff. But yeah, th- this Scaroth guy, yeah, he he certainly was different, wasn't he? Yeah, I mean, you got to remember around this time, what did we have? The Sontarans with Tom Baker. Yeah, is one of one of the early ones, and I remember particularly. Uh, almost freaking out when the first time Asantara and took his helmet off and you saw what was underneath. And you look back at it now and you think, really? <laughs> what were you worried about? But at the time, it, you know, he had that and uh, the obviously Brain of Morbius episodes. They, they were really quite scary. Yeah but, yeah, yeah, but it's what you say there. I mean, that, that, that's a key phrase there is, is, is looking back. And, and this is the problem, I think, that we will have with this, with, with this sequence and, and with this story is we are looking back with much mature is not the right word, um, uh, no. but, but with older eyes. And we've seen so much since then and technology has advanced so much that, you know, I, especially when we get to the rating at the end. I mean, we've got to take in context, haven't we? Absolutely. I think so. Yeah. Okay, all right then. Well, um, without further ado, let's have a clip. Okay, uh, right, so the sequence starts on what we later find out is Earth, um, um, right at the very beginning of creation, don't we? Yeah, and I think it's unusual, particularly for, if you watch stuff nowadays, they normally sort of tell you what's going on, and I think this is great because you don't know at this stage where it is or when it is, it could be an alien planet as far as you're aware, uh, which I think is a lovely piece of storytelling. Yeah, I, I, yeah. as you say, I mean, it doesn't look like Earth, so that could be anywhere in the universe, yeah. and we don't know when it is, and it's not quite uh, until quite uh, later on, a few episodes later, we actually find the relevance of this scene, don't we? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've, I've got to say, though, as it opens, um, um, you've got a, a two-part uh, landscape there. You've got a foreground and a background, and the foreground... Um, Looking at it now, again, you know, mm-hmm. mod- with modern technology and, and, and older eyes, you look at it now, and um, the foreground does look a bit crude. It, it does yeah. look like it's a, a, a miniature set. But the camera starts pan- panning to the right, and the foreground drops away, and we see um, further, and that does look really, really good. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, I'm presuming that's a, a matte painting in the background, but the, the depth of field actually works quite well. Yeah, and, uh, you know, the landscape itself, I mean, it was a tabletop miniature, so when you think that that's basically on a 
a blooming great big table, you know, yeah. with, I don't, I don't think it would be a matte painting. I don't think the BBC, you know, would have uh, stretched to a matte painting. I think it's more, you know, a, a, a backdrop, you know, a cloth painted like the sky, you know? Yeah, that's probably what I meant. Ah, okay. Sorry <laughs> about that. Anyway, <laughs> that, the camera keeps on panning and panning and, and then we get, get to the spaceship, um, which we've got to stop and discuss because this is quite, for its time and, and especially for Doctor Who, this is uh, quite a radical design, isn't it? Absolutely, and, and it's very detailed as well. Mm. Um, just looking at it now, you know, you can see the struts down on the side of the legs. Uh, there seem to be external mechanisms there. Um, and even though on the face of it, there's not a great amount of like uh, greeblies or anything like that, any sort of major detailing, it looks big. Yeah. And meaty yeah. and weighty. And black as well. How often yes. do, you, do you see black spaceships? I mean, of course, it would make no sense to have a black spaceship in space. You wouldn't see the blooming thing. Well, well, you've got to remember, Douglas Adams was involved in this. Yeah. And if you think that, you know, the classic um, scene in, in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, the restaurant at the end of the universe, uh, where he has the uh, the... the black ship mm. that, uh, that's so black that uh, it's blacker than the space around it etc etc so I don't know whether that had an influence on the uh, <laughs> on the paint job I don't know I mean, I, that, I, yeah yeah I, I mean I mean that that that, that is I mean this story it, it's a strange time um, in Doctor mm. Who you, you, you had the gothic horrors of the Philip Hinchcliffe years like you say Brain of Morbius and that um, but then Douglas Adams came uh, on board as script editor and then started writing and everything got quite lighter and very jokey Tom Baker got into his role and wanted more and more input and wanted to make it more light hearted so this story um, um, you know visually um, is more of a nod back even though it's got clearly got Douglas Adams uh, influences, it is a nod back to the uh, the Gothic horror type Doctor Who's, isn't it? Yeah, and you can kind of tell that in the in the style of the ship. You know, it's not it's not your classic rocket. It's not your classic fair flying saucer. It's an alien design. Yeah, and also, I mean, the landscape. I mean, you, you know, you say Brain of Morbius. That could be right out of Brain of Morbius as well. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we see the ship um, and we cut into it and there he is. There's old Scaroth sat there. Uh, fantastic design, as we've said, you know, quite, quite a creepy uh, Medusa-like um, uh, uh, face with all the uh, tendrils and that. Um, and, the and, and the moving gills as well. And the moving gills, a, yeah. That was a nice touch. Yeah, yeah, he's got moving flaps, as they say. Yeah, <laughs> well, I'm presuming they're gills. They could be some other fun bodily function. Well, he's yeah. an alien. We just don't know. But no. yeah, no, I mean, it's a fantastic mask, you know, and and it looks fabulous. Um, but again, looking at it on the big screen now, um, kind of offset by his uh, Baker foil spacesuit, isn't he? <laughs> Yes, um, and you've got to try and think of which other BBC drama they borrowed that from. It looks like it's come from the goodies or something <laughs> yeah. like that, doesn't it? It's it's just your cliche, cheap um, science fiction spacesuit, isn't it? Yeah, you know? yeah. And, and it looks like he's got stress beads down the front. Did you notice that? Yes, yep. Yeah. Uh, love, love, and, love and war. Yeah, but <laughs> from, the, from the Jagoroth. <laughs> there you go. Everything we learn about this race, the Jagoroth race, you know, they're, they're this like nasty, evil, warlike race, and, and they certainly look it, and their ships certainly look it. But then 
their uh, their, their their outfits, they kind of like go the other way. It's like something from a bony bony M video or something. Well, yeah, exactly, and uh, I think that's that, <laughs> that theme's repeated later, as we'll get to. Indeed. Um, <laughs> but uh, but I found I found quite interesting when you when you watch it, you do spot you know his gloves sticking out. Mm-hmm. Of, of the sleeve which kind of detracts slightly but again what you've got to remember in context when you're first watching this you don't notice that at no, all no, but I, I, I don't know I find it's almost like he's wearing his brain on the outside which is which is like a <laughs> really, really nice sort of Doctor Who <laughs> so it's a Jaggeroth version of wearing your heart on your sleeve <laughs> yeah just everything's sort of on the outside yeah, it's, yeah. It's very weird but I, again creepy Oh yeah, very creepy. Yeah, very creepy. I, I, I think you say about the gloves there. I think I think that's down to Julian Glover. Um, he didn't like wearing the mask for sure. And, and you know, in later episodes when you see him um, and he's wearing regular clothes except for the mask, you can see the mask is uh, kind of like open and it looks odd at the back. Mm. And it was because he he refused to have the the mask done up at the back. Um, and it might be a case um, with the gloves as well here. You know. Yeah, or just nobody spotted it come out of the sleeve. Who knows? Well, indeed. indeed. <laughs> he goes, but also, like, if you look at the, the style of the cockpit that, that he's in, there's also lots of nice sort of switchy button type mm. stuff, but also that weird sort of membrane texture that's, that's on the interior. Yeah, it, it's sort of like a nod back to some of the organic uh, spaceships, yeah. you know, that Doctor Who were doing before this as well, you know. Um. So, anyway, we see him in there. We get our little bit of uh, basil exposition going on there. Uh, we, cu- we cut to outside, and the ship starts to take off. And, again, something I'm sure that passed us by back in 1979 when we saw it on our uh, really quite small tellies with not very good uh, picture quality is um, they've done the classic thing of incorporating a jet of gas to... Um, to suggest that the, uh, the, the ship taking off has disrupted the... Uh, the, the dirt and the earth around it but uh, it's very apparent here that unlike um, what you usually do which is where you have the device to fire the gas built into the ship and as the ship takes off the air blows down and blows the soil um, this one is kind of like uh, built into the actual uh, landscape and blows upwards so it looks more like the landscape is breaking wind uh, <laughs> rather than anything else, you know. In, indeed, but uh, also what's quite nice is the um, effect of the interior spinning or the engine moving inside with the lights on the on the central part. Yeah, sure. Um, I, I mean, th- th- this is something. I mean, you look at that model and you're thinking, okay, um, I don't know how big that was. I mean, what no. oh, a foot wide, something like that, maybe. But. Uh, for, to, to have that midsection spinning like that, that's got to be motorised. So you've got to have a motor and gearing in there um, and a battery pack, I presume, as well. Um, so it, it's quite an elaborate model, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I'm just watching the launch sequence again, trying to sort of figure out how the, the mechanism behind the legs folding in, um, because it's quite a smooth movement. And it seems to be a movement on a couple of the couple of the couple of the joints on the legs. Mm. You know, it's not just the bottoms moving in; the the central knee joints sort of move swinging as well. And the and the ship itself, as it takes off, slowly sort of turns. Mm. It's for for the for the time, you know, I understand. It looks like it's been slowed down, obviously, from from uh, real life shot. 
it's a really nice launch sequence. <laughs> it is, isn't it? And and I, I'm I'm thinking, you know, if that, if they've got all the mechanisms in there to make the midriff uh, spin, uh, I'm thinking the legs must be on wires, you know, to just to get three legs to 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 move in like that all um, yeah. at the same time. That's an awful lot of effort to go into and a lot of gearing and timing and maybe yeah. radio controlled i think it's some 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 guy off to one side pulling on a bit of thread yeah and i think as typical of, of this era particularly for the bbc you've got to kind of think they would go for the easy route yeah to, we, to achieve these effects well we don't know how much money they had and we don't know how no. much time they had you know whether they were under a lot of pressure but you know if they were and, and it was under a, a tight budget it, I, I think they've done a spectacular job here yeah I, it's, it's a really nice different launch sequence nice and slow mm. and dramatic I think yeah the, mu the music helps it as well and you've got yeah. the sound effect uh, building up of it of it taking off and then of course the legs uh, come in um, which is unusual as well. You're yeah. not really expecting that to happen, and then it does. Mm. Um, apparently, Ian Schoons, the guy who uh, designed the ship, um, he got inspiration for the ship doing that from uh, seeing a, a dead spider in his bath. Uh, the way a spider, when it dies, it, it, it pulls its legs up. So that's how he got the idea of it doing that before it went into flight mode. Yeah, and now you describe it like that, you can see that. Yeah, yeah. You know, black, black spider-like craft Indeed. it's next, very next, yes yeah next time you see a dead spider you'll be thinking of scaroth the jaggeroth won't you uh yes and how many solids it takes for it to go down the toilet <laughs> <laughs> indeed yes anyway uh the ship takes off and starts to implode on warp drive and that, that that's a lovely effect um not expected you just expect mm. it to blow up or something where you've got yeah. this like uh, it does look like it's imploding doesn't it yeah yeah it, and again unusual like you say for for the time normally it would just be straight to an explosion so getting that sort of level of effect and obviously tying it back to their mentioning of a warp engaging the warp yeah. <laughs> in the planetary thing it's a nice sort of tie into what you might think these days of some sort of interference from gravity etc yeah it's, it's, it's nice and it shows, you know, that the uh, special effects guys at the BBC, you know, they've, they've read the script and it's like, OK, mention a warp drive. How do we simulate a, um, a warp drive implosion, you know? Yeah. But unfortunately, I mean, as good as that is, mm. we cut back to the interior and there's old Scaroth and we've got a very, very dodgy effect here, I think. Uh, <laughs> the uh, very, very late 70s, top of the pops uh, style video effect that's been laid on top. Yeah, obviously influenced by um, the Jagoros love of uh, Earth, Wind and Fire. And, uh, and Boney M and everything. Boney M, it, it yes. It could very well be, couldn't it? You know, I mean, BBC Four have been showing a lot of old Top of the Popses at the moment and, and from around that time. And it's like every time one of these ham-fisted, very, very crude effects comes on, it's like, oh dear. Oh dear, you know, yeah. Very, very dated, unfortunately. I'm, I'm sure they had a limited uh, number of effects they could call on. Indeed, um, yeah. But but yes, it has that sort of nice funky effect, you know. Funky, that's the right word. <laughs> For everything that's going on in that cockpit, yeah, funky, yeah, okay. Um, and then we have, we cut back to outside and, and it's a classic um, um, uh, method of um, showing an explosion of something that you don't particularly want to blow up. We have a very quick cut to outside yep. and then the explosion. But you don't really see 
the something before it explodes. I, I've, I've paused it and paused it, and the most I can make is some sort of black shape. I'm pretty darn sure it's not the model, because if it was the model exploding, you would have legs going everywhere, and you'd have all that gear. Uh, that's a point. If it blew up and uh, you've got all that uh, the, the, the radio-controlled stuff in there and the motors and the gearing, you're going to have shrapnel going everywhere, wouldn't you? Absolutely, so, yeah. I think um, it's a balloon or something like that and then an explosion over the top of it. Yeah, I would tend to agree. I mean, I managed to get the frame just as it cut to the explosion and there's nothing there in the, in the scenery, no. just, just the background scenery. And then cut a frame in in you see the explosion start and then there's something black there as well but it's not the spaceship so i, I tend to agree with you I, you know i'd like to think they didn't blow <laughs> blow that one up despite being a, a favorite hobby <laughs> of, of young young boys at that Indeed. time of building yeah. models and blowing them up it, um, it does it does make me think though that they maybe they were in a bit of a rush because you know uh, traditionally what you do is you take a photo of the model um, and hang that there and have the explosives, you know, either behind uh, the photo, which is like printed onto, you know, uh, chipboard or something like that, or then a quick cutaway. But here you don't see that it's the ship at all, do you? No, and, you know, you like to think that they were basically saying, well, it's it's been imploded, yeah. so you wouldn't see it until it exploded again. Yeah, yeah. But it's great. What, 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 whatever they did, um, I, I think it works very, very well. Yeah, I do as well. And, and the sound effect for the explosion, again, it's your classic pew-pew <laughs> in your head explosion noise. But again, it's, it's totally in context for the time, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. All right, well, that's, that's the scene done, so we're going to go into uh, some behind-the-scenes of it. Um, it was shot at Bray Studios in May 1979 um, and it was the first time that uh, the model work for Doctor Who was done before the live action um, which caused some annoyance for the set designer um, as the team now had to work around the miniature effects instead of vice versa usually you know they make the sets they design everything the special effects guys have to come in and then make it in miniature but this time it was the other way around and apparently the set designer was not happy at all well, I can imagine. I mean, if you're given that sort of big globe-type spaceship, how are you going to then design the set around it? And I think it's interesting when you look at it, it when it cuts to the interior, it's that cage-type yeah. thing. You can see the landscape around it. So yeah. one of the things when I, when I re-watched it was thinking, where, where is that? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, mean, I mean, like, I think you've mentioned before, you know, it's sticking out somewhere on on the dome, which could be that uh, small bit just above the centre. And yeah. I don't, I don't know if they come back to it in a later episode and you see it in more detail. Uh, in, in the last episode, we go back to that because Scaroth gets back there to to try and stop himself. Um, and uh, but it's not really you don't see much more than what you do here. I mean, it's obvious that. Um, um, the set designer went along and saw the model, saw that there's some sort of hexagonal clear um, area up near the top. Um, and and then as a nod to that, you know, in the live action set, put in these struts, which are, I suppose, mm. supposed to signify the uh, hexagonal window. Yeah. And when you get that first shot, uh, when it cuts away from the model and you see the first sort of clip of the hexagonal struts, it's actually tough to figure out where on the ship it is because there's nothing else of the ship around it. 
but again, you're watching this in 1979. You know, you're you're not. Don't recording care. It. There's no chance. No, there's no chance of. Yeah, you don't care. You're, you're just along for the ride, aren't you? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, Scarroth's ship, uh, as I say, was designed by Ian Schoons, um, who was very happy to be back at Bray Studios because um, um, that, that that's where he started off. He started off with Hammer Films back in the 50s and 60s uh, before he moved on to uh, <clears throat> the Jerry Anderson shows and from there on to the BBC. So he was very happy to, to be back there for doing this. Um, the ship was built by a guy I've never heard of before called Charlie Lim. Um, as I say, never heard of him before, but uh, full credit to you, Charlie. Um, that was a great bit of model work. Absolutely. I mean, as we mentioned before, you know, the the motion that's in there, as well as the simplicity of the design, just works. It's really nice. And, and he, he's totally made it look alien. It, it, yeah. Yeah. Um, the model sequence took three days to film. Um, and you know we've been saying how good it looks and everything particularly for that time uh, with Doctor Who and I think a lot of it to do uh, a lot of it is to do with Ian using a lighting cameraman by the name of Harry Oakes and the reason he used Harry Oakes was um, he had worked with him before on the Jerry Anderson shows um, where he had done the lighting on um, uh, the likes of Thunderbirds in UFO and I think Ian knew that uh, he, he was a really good guy to use for lighting models in such a way that they look much larger than they are and much more realistic. Yeah, and you can see you can see some of that in the opening shots, can't you? You, mm. you know, even, even with the landscape, as much as, as much as you, you can tell now, it's a it's a table. The way it's shot is very reminiscent of this type of landscape shots you might have seen. Yeah, those other those other programs. Yeah, the lighting's very convincing. They film it very low down, which always gives you an idea yeah. of uh, of scale on that. Um, I'm going to be posting up on on Facebook and Instagram uh, behind the scenes photos where you can actually see the scale and you can see, yep, that's just a big table, you know. <laughs> but you wouldn't know it from the way that that's been photographed. No, I agree. It's uh, it's got that weight, that presence. You know, I think also I think probably the absence of too many sort of greebles or rec or recognisable household objects, which uh, Doctor Who did suffer from now and again. Yeah, yeah, of, sure. of reusing. So there's nothing in there that your eye can actually say, well, this is how big it is. Yeah, so it's totally new to you. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, the ship lifting off uh, was filmed in the reflection of a sheet of Mirrorlon. Now, Mirrorlon is a, a flexible material which looks like a mirror um, from, you know, one side, but, but is flexible. Um, they, they filmed that sequence in the reflection of the Mirrorlon. Um, and for the implosion effect, um, Ian Schoons had worked out um, just where on the Mirrorlon the, uh, the ship would be reflected. And, and it was just a simple case of him pushing his finger from the back onto the Mirrorlon um, to uh, accomplish the uh, implosion effect. Which is sheer genius, really, if you think it about it. It is. I mean, you know, as, as much as I've got, you know, an, an awful lot of admiration for all the CGI designers that are out there these days, um, you, you can't beat the guys who have got to come up with effect. They've got very little money. They've got very little time. And they have to use what's around them, you know. And, and that's why I appreciate 
model work and miniature work and special effects work from you know the very dawn of cinema um, yeah. right up until the advent of CGI because these guys you know they got they they got paint under their fingernails they got clay under their fingernails and they worked blooming hard to affect some uh, to come up with some fantastic effects and you, and you can imagine sort of like when they sat, sat down reading reading the requirements brief. Um, yes, we've got an alien spaceship that's going to engage its warp drive and then it's going to implode. Yeah. <laughs> you Off you go, uh, boys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like right down to Woolworths. <laughs> yeah. What, what can we get to do that? But coming up with that idea of pushing it. And when you, even when you rewatch it, it's only ever so slightly affects the um, entire scene. Yeah. You know, there's there's yeah. a little bit of it around there, but so short you wouldn't notice it anyway the way it's very controlled and, and just around the centre of the, yeah, of the sure. ship brilliant I, I, absolute genius genius is the word I mean Doctor Who effects you know they've been maligned over the years um, because they look like you know cheap and tacky but that's people are missing the point the people that are doing the special effects that they're, they're giving it all their uh, they're all with their um, creativity and their imagination and their craftsmanship it's not their fault you know that uh, they haven't got much money maybe they don't have much time uh, the things not filmed in, in the right way um, and um, it's not I, I don't think it's very fair you know that they should come up for criticism when they producing some stunning work you only have to look at some of the stills of, of miniatures that were being made right the way you know through the bbc special effects history from the 50s right up until cgi come along the models are fantastic it's how they're filmed and how they're actually um you know um put onto film that uh, let them down I, I think if this harry oaks guy had had a you know been working for the bbc i think an awful lot of that would have looked so 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 much better and it, and it wouldn't get the uh, bad reputation it's got now i think so and also what you've got to remember that i mean what we, this, this was shot on film wasn't it yes at, yes. at this stage and, uh, and a lot of the problems for me when i kind of started getting off doctor who it was sort of after tom baker we were getting to the mid to late 80s and they were using video um mm. which i think you've mentioned to me in a conversation before yeah and i don't know the, the level of the effects they were trying to do sort of cg and other stuff at the time which was very early on and it just looks worse than a lot of the early special effects stuff Absolutely. That, was go that was going on I mean, um, recently I, I, I introduced my son to Blake Seven, and we had like this marathon thing of going through Blake Seven, and you yeah. start very well. And again, Ian, Sco Ian Schoons worked on that to begin with, and they had a, quite a large bud budget to begin with. And the models looked fantastic; they were photographed, as you say, on film, looked yeah. fantastic. But when you get to like season three, mm. and then into season four, where they totally switch to video, it's like, oh, good grief! <laughs> yeah, the Scorpio that was. Oh. Uh, yeah, 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 with its shaky um, mat line all the way around it. Oh. Made, out, made out of a Vosine bottle, I believe. Yeah, it's just, it's just <laughs> let's not go there. No, let's not Focus. go there. Let's stick to this one. Um, sticking to this one, let, let, let's go to the rating then. Each, yeah. each uh, episode we have a rating for the effects. Uh, I'd like the rating off of you, Mark. Um, ten being about the best thing you've ever seen, one being about the worst you've ever seen, and a five being about uh, average. Well... Looking at looking at the scene as a whole, I'm probably going to go and be awkward and go for a six point five, only because I'd, I'd probably have it a seven, right? 
but it's the uh, interior shots for me that that let it down slightly e- even for then <laughs> you know um, it's almost unforgivable to use funky disco effects to <laughs> at that level but the exterior the model shots the the, the lift off effect they they were great even sort of looking at them now so i'm i'm going to go with a six and a half okay okay that that's fair enough um, for me, um, it, it's definitely above a five, which is average. It, it, if we were just talking about Doctor Who effects and rating them, it, it would be up there almost a ten if it was just solely um, related to Doctor Who special effects. But it's not. Um, it's 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 got to sit there amongst you know some of the. Um, greatest uh, movie special effects ever and I've got to take that into consideration so but it is very good and as you say you've, you, you've got to take it in its context and of its time um, and for that I will be giving it a seven okay so uh, uh, if you give it a six and a half and I give it a seven that's an average of 6.75 yay which, which I, I don't think that's bad I, no. I, I think that's pretty good I, I am I'm I'm curious to know if in future episodes any Doctor Who um, effect is actually going to beat that. Um, personally, I I don't think it will, but it's all down to the uh, co-hosts that one. <laughs> but, but we'll see. Fair enough. Anyway, anyway, all right. I I think that's us done, Mark. Thank you very much for coming along today. Absolute pleasure. And can I call you back at a later date to maybe uh, talk about something else? Absolutely. Excellent. Okay. Well, thank you for your time, Mark. Um, Thank you. Anybody who has um, been listening to this, go along to Facebook or Instagram. Let us know what you think about this this effect sequence. And uh, yeah, and I'll see you soon. Thank you very much. Bye bye.